back to Man Eaters, the true crime podcast where all the killers are animals. Uh, my name's James, and yeah, welcome back. I know what you're thinking. I can, I can hear your judgment. It's been a while since the last episode. I, I can feel it. Your resentment is palpable. I have been gone for a little bit. I checked the uploads. Last episode was sometime in November. It's now February 2022. Um, what happened? I hear you ask. Shit happened, all right? Life got in the way. But like uh, like herpes, I'm back. <laughs> Bad joke. Oh, awful. Herpes isn't something we should joke about on this show. No, we only joke about uh, people being awfully, awfully maimed by <laughs> by animals. This is not the introduction I was planning to make, but I'm going to stick with it because I'm tired and uh, I don't feel like re-recording this. Uh, if you haven't listened before, this is a podcast all about animal attacks, uh, uh, survivors of animal attacks, not survivors of animal attacks, and really they're kind of the only two categories, aren't they? If you think about it, if you get attacked by an animal, you either survive or you don't. Maybe you're missing a limb or two, um, but you know, you lived or you didn't those are your two options and that's something I think we can all find comfort in you know if you're out on the savannah and you get attacked by a a cheater or (laughs) or a hyena you're either gonna live or you're not you know two options it's not that bad we get really bogged down in our lives with a lot of shit we have to deal with too many options have you ever tried to watch something on Netflix before have you ever tried to order something on Uber Eats there's too many options but not with animal attacks (laughs) what is this opening This sucks. Um, Before we go on with the episode, I just want to say thank you to uh, the people who have sent messages over the last few months asking, where is the podcast? Um, And I know a lot of people are thinking, Chapman, you're lying. People aren't sending you messages. They absolutely are. And I can prove it. Let me get my phone out for a second. Hold on. The following people sent me a message. (laughs) This is so lame. I feel like I'm explaining myself to no one. Nobody asked. But I'm going to prove myself correct. Uh, where, where is it? There's someone sent me a message the other day on my Instagram at Jimothy Chaps. You can like me there. I haven't been on Instagram for so long. I can't even remember how to check messages. Is it that? Mm. Oh, well, I guess it's, oh no, I found it. Okay. Hold on. This dude named Tristan said, uh, thanks for the podcast. Enjoyed listening to it. Um, another person named Zoe said, thank you. And who else? Uh, what was the name? There was another one. Uh, Jamie said uh, that they enjoyed the podcast and have been waiting for new episodes and they haven't been coming. So apologies to you three people and apologies to the hundreds of others who listened and didn't make such requests. Um, but I'm back. I don't know how recently, how, how often these episodes are going to come up, um, whether it'll be once a week or, or less than that. I'm going to hedge my bets and say it's going to be less than that. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some animal attacks. I'm going to stop waffling on now. Today we're talking about shark attacks. Um, sharks are one of the few animals that I'm actually genuinely terrified by. I wouldn't. I just hate the idea of being near one. It's sharks, it's crocodiles, and it's bears for me. The rest of them I think I'd be alright with. But yeah, sharks are at the top of that list. Um, I know in my heart of hearts they're not as dangerous as the media portrays I know that as a fact and I stand by that like messaging but I I just know that if in the in the water if I saw one that information would go out the window and I would think I'm in the water with jaws um, so we're talking about a spate of very specific um, 
shark attacks that happened in 2001. Um, uh, I think about five shark attacks or five deaths and maybe a few more attacks on top of that uh, that were deemed the summer of the shark. Uh, this story is a little different from the others because the main story here is how it actually really wasn't a story when we look back at it. When we look back with historical context and we, you know, we identify what the media was doing, we realize that this actually wasn't a story. Uh, but at the time, in uh, June, July, August of 2001, it absolutely was a story. And that's the story we're gonna talk about today. So strap in, strap on, and uh, yeah, sit back and listen to The Summer of the Shark. On July 6, 2001, eight-year-old Jesse Abagast was swimming with his uncle on Langan Beach in Florida when he was suddenly and violently attacked by a 2.1-meter bull shark. In the frenzy, Jesse's right arm was bitten off and eaten by the shark, along with a large portion of his right thigh. Jesse bled in the water, but was luckily dragged to shore by an unknown bystander. The shark attempted to swim away, but was pulled onto the beach and beaten to death by Jesse's uncle Vance. Jesse survived the attack, but suffered from severe blood loss which caused lasting damage to his internal organs and his brain function. Jesse's arm was eventually pulled out of the bull shark, but was successfully reattached after an 11 hour surgery at Sacred Heart Children's Hospital. At roughly the same time as the Abagast attack, a New Yorker who was holidaying in the Bahamas was also attacked by a shark. His leg was severed in the frenzy. A week later on July 15th, only six miles from the beach Abagast was maimed, another unprovoked attack occurred. Michael Waters, 48, was surfing when he said he was bitten. The hospital announced that it may have been caused by a shark, but the doctors were unwilling to state definitively that that was the case. Another man was treated for a shark bite in Florida just days later. The 18-year-old from Ohio was bodyboarding on Fernandina Beach when he suffered small to moderate lacerations on his right foot when a shark swam past. Additional shark attacks were reported in the months following, including two fatal occurrences in Virginia and North Carolina. After the spectacular rescue and recovery of Jesse Abagast, the media began sensationalizing the stories of the shark attacks in America, with every additional story giving additional momentum. The media dubbed these months of 2001 the Summer of the Shark, and began to stoke fears of the dangers of swimming in the ocean. This hysteria echoed similar stories that had occurred in 1916 after a couple of shark attacks in New Jersey. We're going to cover those at a later date. The media portrayal of the Summer of the Shark is looked back on as a prime example of news media pushing a story due to ratings rather than actual journalistic merit. In mid-August, many networks were showing footage captured by helicopters of hundreds of sharks coalescing off the southwest coast of Florida. Beachgoers were warned of the dangers of swimming, despite the fact that the swarm was probably part of an annual shark migration. The repeated broadcast of the shark group has been criticized as blatant fear-mongering, leading to an unwarranted belief of a so-called shark epidemic. Investigative journalist John Stozel explains the media's shark fixation in his book, Give Me a Break, stating, Instead of putting risks in proportion, we hype interesting ones up. Tom Brokow, Katie Couric, and countless others called 2001 the Summer of the Shark. In truth, there was not a remarkable surge of shark attacks in 2001. There were about as many in 1995 and in 2000, but 1995 was the year of the O.J. Simpson trial, and 2000 was an election year. The summer of 2001 was a little dull, so reporters focused on the sharks. This unbroken media attention was only silenced when a bigger news story broke. 
the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon on September 11th, 2001. After this event, the stories of the sharks stopped. However, the day before 9-11, all the papers had front page stories about the shark epidemic. Now, of course, I'm not trying to minimize the suffering felt by Jesse Abagast, Michael Waters, or any of the people who were injured or killed by sharks in 2001, or indeed ever. What I am saying is that it's important to look at these events with historical context. The media became hyper-focused on sharks in 2001, despite there actually being fewer attacks and deaths than in 2000. In fact, the total number of deaths in 2001 was five, compared to more than twice that in 2000. When the media gets into a frenzy about sharks, it's important to take a step back and see what else is going on. More often than not, the sensational reporting is due to nothing more than a lack of exciting news footage. Footage from sharks from, from helicopters is exciting and it gets viewers watching and engaging. The more people watching, the more the news stations get paid by advertisers. Furthermore, this behavior from news media becomes embarrassingly predictable when we notice similar occurrences happening in the past. In New Jersey in 1916, and indeed today, stories like this are commonplace in countries like South Africa and, of course, my home country of Australia. Sharks are absolutely terrifying, and you won't see me putting my hand up to go in swimming with one anytime soon. However, they're not as dangerous as the media would have us believe. In fact, you are way more likely to die from an improperly wired Christmas tree than from an attack from a shark. Couple the likelihood of ever even seeing a shark in the wild being extremely low with the sobering fact that every year, 100 million sharks are killed by humans indirectly or directly, and you start to get a bigger sense of who the bigger threat in the ocean actually is. And that was the story or I guess the non-story of the Summer of the Shark. Uh, the, <laughs> the fact that really gets me about this one, and the reason I wanted to, to talk about this, was the fact that 9-11 played into it. Like when I started reading and, and researching about Summer of the Shark, I didn't expect 9-11, <laughs> I didn't expect fucking Al-Qaeda to be a part of the story. Um, you know, that's not really what, I, what happens on this podcast. It's rare that I'm talking about you know, a group of murderous uh, lions and fucking ISIS becomes a, a central character. But it happened in 2001. Uh, and it happened again in 1916 in New Jersey. And we're going to talk about those later as well. Um, I'm also going to talk uh, about sharks again um, in a World War II story uh, about the USS Indianapolis. Um, but that story, I was going to do it today, but um, that story was recently covered by the last podcast on the left and they did a really great job and I'm not even close not even in the fucking ballpark as Marcus Parks and the, the boys from that podcast. I'm not even close. So if you are interested in uh, hearing about that story, the USS Indianapolis sinking and shark attacks, um, I would look those guys up and look at the last podcast on the left. Um, I'm sure one day I'll talk about it because it is fascinating and terrifying and horrific. But for today, yeah, Summer of the Shark. Um... I feel bad for that kid who <laughs> lost his arm. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm not laughing because the kid lost his arm. I'm laughing because his uncle beat a shark to death. Um, with, with And I know like this is contradictory to what was in the story, but every time I picture the, the man beating the shark to death, I just picture him using the kid's arm to do it. Is that fucked up? I think it is. It's, it's at least not good. It's not good behavior for me to be thinking that. 
Um, anyway, yes, thank you for listening to Man Eaters. I'm sorry it's been a while, but um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you did. Um, send me a message on Instagram. You can follow me at Jimothy Chaps. Um, I also occasionally will post uh, Man Eater related content there, including polls and questions and stuff like that. So engage with that. It really helps me out. It really keeps that motivation uh, cracking along. Um, I also really quickly wanted to thank um, everyone who came to see Knock and Run Theatre's production of Trevor. I put a plug for that in um, the episode about Travis the Chimpanzee, which the play is loosely based on that story. Uh, we had amazing feedback from from everybody. Um, we actually put that story that I wrote um, in the program and we had a lot of people <laughs> coming after the show talking to the other producers talking to the director uh, about about the story and how blown away they were that that actually happened um, so yeah I just want to say thank you to everybody who came to that show it was uh, really nice to get the really positive feedback from everybody about the performances and about the show in general um, and uh, yeah just about how how a story about a chimpanzee who nearly murders a woman um, could bring such joy <laughs> to a small audience in Newcastle. What a weird world we live in. Al-Qaeda and sharks and chimpanzees in Newcastle. What, What is going on? Anyway, that's the end of the episode, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Uh, tune back in. Just f- subscribe to the podcast. Follow the podcast wherever you do podcast following. I don't know. You know, all the bullshit. Do it. Um, I'm going to try to post these podcasts more frequently because they are fun and I enjoy them. Uh, but life does get in the way. Uh, but, you know, we have to make time for the things we want. Uh, and, and that's on me. I think this is a learning opportunity, really, if you think about it. What? You listener, humble listener, if you're sitting in your car or in your office or in your bed and you're listening to me speak, what do you want out of life? Huh? What's holding you back? If you want to do something, do it. Hell, look at me. I was just lying here in my underpants, tired from a day of work, and I thought, huh, I have a podcast that I haven't uploaded an episode for three months. I should probably do that. And I did. And it feels good. Um, okay, I'm going to go now. I'm probably going to get drunk and, uh, I don't know, eat some tuna because there's probably some shark in there and I feel like some good old-fashioned revenge. And yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Did you know that a lot of the shark that you eat at fish and chip, a lot of fish that you buy at fish and chip shops is actually shark? It's like wobbygongs and shit. I don't know. I'm still going to eat it. It's delicious. Have a good night, everybody. Farewell. Farewell.